Chapter 20 of the Shunzu is entitled "Discourse on Music." This comes immediately after Chapter 19, which is a good placement for this chapter, because ritual (_lie_) and music have much in common in terms of how they help human beings live happily and harmoniously. The first starting point that Shunzu goes through is this idea that music is joy and unavoidable human disposition, so people cannot be without music. If they feel joy, they must express it in sound and give it shape in movement. When people want to feel happy or they do feel happy, they tend to play music. This is something that we see cross-culturally this desire to play music or to perform music. And even though some people, they uh, might compose so songs that are not exactly joyful, maybe they're sad, maybe they're mournful, etc. They do these things uh, out of a need to express emotion. So people have an emotion, they have a need to express this emotion. They have some sort of feeling, they need have a need to express this feeling. If they are going through something in their life, they have the need to express this in, in music. So we have, if, you're, if you don't want to only think about joy, even though that's the most common reason for people engaging in music, um, any kind of strong emotion tends to be conveyed through music. So why does Shunzu start here? Because throughout this chapter, you notice he'll say, what is Mozart doing denouncing it? And he says this a few times because Mozart is a interestingly modern kind of thinker. He brings up these sorts of ideas that can be compared to utilitarianism, uh, materialistic ways of thought, uh, even a kind of proto-communism. And so Mozart is somebody that also seems to be gathering a significant following and people are listening to him um, anywhere from those who are kings down to simply the common people. It's not only Motsu, of course, who is philosophizing during this time. There are other people that shows a uh, names that he disagrees with. But Mozart is interesting because he is actually saying we should stop music altogether. And only one group that I know of uh, advances this idea. And to my understanding, the Amish generally, most Amish communities generally do not allow for music. Um, they do not allow for people to take up the violin and start playing it. They do not, um, certainly do not allow uh, their members to 
listen to it um, off of some recording. Um, and so we do have sometimes people denouncing music altogether. And Shinzo is saying, um, he's not saying music is good, music is bad at the beginning. He's saying there is simply a need for music is, is what he is saying. And so that's a very interesting idea uh, there. In the same paragraph, he does say, uh, they cause the progression, complexity, intensity, and rhythm of the music to be sufficient to move the goodness in people's hearts. And he also says that the music that is created by the ancients um, ward off perversity. So he says they cause perverse and corrupt chi, chi is energy, to have no place to attach itself to them. Uh, earlier he says they cause the sounds to be enjoyable without becoming dissolute. They cause the patterns to be distinctive without becoming degenerate. In other words, in this paragraph, Shunzi is recognizing that not only music is essentially unavoidable, we have um, the capacity to make music either good or bad. Either music can encourage perversity and cause chaos, or it can accord with the way, and it can move people to be better. And that's the key understanding that we should start with, that music has moral content. There is music that is indeed evil, and there is music that is indeed good. Now, you might be thinking as a modern person, well, isn't this a little similar to what people used to say about books and uh, used to justify the banning of books? And I, my response here is that there is actually some degree of truth to it. You might think that you can listen to the music and not end up being affected by it. But music is actually a lot more influential than simply a story that you read once in your life. Because when you read a story once in your life, you are actually actively engaging in moral judgments. Whenever you read, you can't help but do that because these are stories about characters who feel real to you and everybody instinctively judges people that they know especially as they get to know them why because you have to understand can i trust this person or not does this person's values align with my own there's a lot of questions you're going to instinctually ask about a person that you meet and you're going to engage in that very deliberately and very clearly when you watch a movie, when you read a book uh, about some fictional characters and so forth. So you are actually on alert. That's very different from music. Music not only tends to be played in the background, but um, you listen to it over and over again. A song is catchy, you keep listening to it. And usually the story in the music is not about a person that you know, because it's too brief. Even if there is a kind of story, it's very brief, it's relatively abstract. And furthermore, 
a lot of music doesn't have any lyrics whatsoever, but it is giving you a kind of feeling. It is stirring your heart, and it can be stirred in many different ways. Your heart is not is is not altogether good or bad. There is a lot that is capable of. So your heart can be capable of greed, of lust, of hate, of anger. It can be. Um, it can it can also have the capacity to be sad, to be happy, to be joyful, to be loving, to be noble. So your heart can be moved, and it does get moved conscious unconsciously through music. Let's look more closely at this part here: progression, complexity, intensity, rhythm of the music. Uh, he brings out four different aspects of music. What I like myself to focus on are three aspects, the melody, the beat, and that's the rhythm, uh, as well as the lyrics. So those three things, if you are paying conscious attention to, you can figure out whether this music is good for you or not, and can inspire certain feelings in you or not. So you want to think carefully about this. Uh, complexity and intensity uh, and progression are what I consider to be part of the melody. Rhythm is what I consider to be part of the beat. And the lyrics, of course, is not mentioned here because when he when uh, Shunze says music, he uh, does not mean uh, the lyrics. Uh, but you know, modern music has a lot of lyrics to them. And so we want to uh, pay attention to, to that um, specifically. So um, when, we're, when you're thinking about beat, you want to understand that slower beats are more calming, are more harmonious, faster beats are more energetic, and somewhere in between is a kind of a lustful beat. You know, that's the kind of beat you would hear at music that's typically played at nightclubs and uh, you know, other situations that are uh, unconsciously um, encouraging uh, lustful feelings. You know, there's a reason why it's pretty dark in those areas. There's a reason why it's packed together. There's a reason why there are these particular light schemes uh, with a few lighting that there is, with red and uh, blue and so forth. So keep that in mind. So this first paragraph has a lot to discuss. Um, let's go to the next paragraph here. What's the point of this of good music? What does it achieve? Harmony. That's the essential idea here. He says, um, when people listen to this music, they become harmonious, respectful. Uh, family members become harmoniously affectionate. Um, when villagers listen to it and young and old people listen together, they become harmoniously cooperative. And that's, of course, cooperation, affection, and respect. If this is all done harmoniously, what a wonderful place to live in. What a wonderful family life you have. What a wonderful and functional leadership governing that you will have. Because he says, you know, when rulers, ministers, superiors, and inferiors Listen together, none fail to become harmoniously respectful. So that's 
the goal of music is to enhance harmony. And that is why a lot of this music that encourages greed, lust, violence, that has all these curse words in it, uh, that is perverse music. And you notice that that kind of music is very uh, common. I, I hesitate to even call it popular because I think a lot of this music is artificially shown to be popular as art it is ostensibly popular in other words and you can manipulate all sorts of statistics and uh impressions in many different ways so if you have uh, if you promote these people and you use advertising techniques you can create an impression that this is a new thing and the young people they get very attached to it because to the young people they haven't developed their sense of music yet their taste of music, they want what's popular because unconsciously they feel as though this can enhance their social standing among their peers. So it's easy to trick young people into, into saying that this music is good when it, it in fact is not, uh, that they, to believe that they are enjoying it, in fact they are not. And I used to, I went through a similar stage, I listened to a certain kind of music it was very um I, I can't remember the lyrics but it was very noisy and if you only listen to the beat and the melody it's encouraging essentially violence and i thought i enjoyed it now i look at that and i just think it's trash because it is trash so uh Let's go and, and look at some interesting lines in the, in the third paragraph, line 40, conducting punitive military expeditions and practicing courteous deterrence and yielding have one and the same purpose. And that's something that music helps with. It seems odd to say, on one hand, we are talking about war, and on the other hand, we're talking about um, deference and courtesy. And it seems very contradictory, but Shunta says this has the same purpose. Why? Because these are both ways to bring harmonious unity among people. Unity is not where everybody is the exact same. That is not harmony. Harmony is when things are different, but they are relating to each other in a way that works very well. So if you're thinking, for example, about uh, if you want to use food as a good analogy, if you look at certain salads, they do work together and other ones do not because the ingredients there are harmonious. If you're looking at a uh, plate of food, you know, we're, what we're doing is not we're not adding carrots to more carrots. We're not adding um, meat uh, uh, to more meat. We're not doing that because we recognize there needs to be some sort of differentiation, some assort, uh, assortment of different items, and they are done harmoniously. So cake and soda, of course, are different items, but they do not go well together. Cake and coffee or cake and tea or donuts and milk, they do go together. So that's a way to think analogically or I mean analogously about um, harmony how harmony works and how harmony requires proper differentiation to begin with
So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but in any case, we have music to conduct punitive expeditions. In other words, war that is justified. We also use music to make people harmonious and deferential, respectful to each other, and not stubborn with regards to each other at home. And why do uh, why does this do the same thing? Because we are achieving peace and harmony through these means. Music, by violent music, there is a kind of music that emboldens you, that stirs up your courage to do the right thing. There's another kind of music that is recklessly and chaotically violent. So for example, heavy metal or uh, gangster rap, typically that kind of music is chaotically violent. Okay, We're not talking about emboldening somebody. Sometimes violence is needed. If we're talking about raising the army and employing the army on the battlefield, that of course engages in violence. So sometimes that kind of thing is necessary to engage in. But there's a kind of music that um, it encourages you to do the right thing and have the courage to, to, to do that, um, even in the midst of combat. So if you've ever, uh, for example, watched a Rocky movie, you know, there's sort of this kind of trumpet uh, music. Uh, it's, it's a famous one that, that is played in these uh, sort of montages where Rocky or the whoever the character is, um, is working out. And so, um, you know, that is, that is orderly, you know, that is, that is not something that encourages reckless violence, lashing out. Okay, so that's why in the next paragraph we have music is the means by which the former kings adore their happiness. And military campaigns and armaments are the means by which the former kings adorned their anger. Because this is, um, these are necessary emotions to achieve righteousness and justice. You are supposed to become angry when evil is done before you. You are supposed to become indignant when evil is done to you, when unrighteous actions are committed. Nobody should want to be angry, but it is sometimes the appropriate emotional response. And so you use ritual and music in order to take that righteous anger and then properly express it and properly take what's in your heart and focus it towards the correct means, towards the correct goals, so it does not consume you from within. Line 61 says, sounds and music enter people into people deeply and transform people quickly. This is what I mean by it works unconsciously. Uh, the conscious is a construct, is a constructed word from the days of Freud around that era. So it's, it's not as if there is a English equivalent uh, to what Schoenze is talking about. Um, 
you know, 2,000 plus years ago. So here it's translated, enter into people deeply and transform people quickly. It works unconsciously. Uh, therefore, the former kings carefully made for these things a proper pattern. If music is balanced and peaceful, then the people will be harmonious and not dissolute. If music is solemn and majestic, then people will be uniformly ordered and not chaos, uh, and not cause chaos. And then in the next statement, he basically says that when this is achieved, then the, the state will be vigorous and its fortifications will be solid. And this rival states will not dare touch it. This might seem antiquated today because we have we have all this modern technology. However, what's interesting to me is that there are these reports that uh, they're not able to get enough people to sign up to serve um, and, like they used to. And that to me is very interesting because you have these wealthy uh, empires and they are uh, they lack the people to be able to engage maybe because they're uh, physically weak but also they're psychologically unstable um, and furthermore they simply do not want to sign up and so all of a sudden this chapter from earlier uh, debating uh, military affairs that chapter is actually kind of interesting uh, to bring up here because Shunzi's overall argument is that the king, his role is not to come up with these interesting strategies. The king should do things and be a certain way that inspires loyalty from his people. So when he is Ren and Yi and he uses Li, then people become respectful, deferential, and they want to follow him. They even want to, um, even want to give up their lives uh, for for him in his pursuit of what is virtuous and righteous. So that is Sunzi's great model. There is uh, he says, leave the strategy up to the generals. If you are the ruler then ensure that you have a wonderful and harmonious society. That's your priority. And so that is why he says the state soldiers will be vigorous and his fortifications will be solid and rival states will not dare touch it. When the situation is like this, then the common people will all rest secure in their dwellings and delight in their villages, such as to provide sufficiently for their superior. If the superior's reputation, fame, will be clear, his glory will be great, and all the people within the four seas will want to have him as their governor. This is the beginning of a true king. We don't have any true kings today. Uh, if music is dissolute and dangerous, and the people will be dissolute, arrogant, vulgar, and base. I see this so often. It's very clear. Based off of what kind of music the person plays, I know that they are these things. They're dissolute, they're arrogant, they're vulgar, they're base, without exception, without exception. If they are dissolute and arrogant, they will cause chaos. Yes, you see this all over these neighborhoods. 
if they are vocal and base, they will struggle with each other. They get into arguments. They fight with their family members. They fight with their friends. They fight with their neighbors. They, they are not nice to be around at work. And then because of this disharmony, then your whole country will be weak and vulnerable. We have in line 88, we have this music master. Okay, he says, as I've already said in the proper order for officials, that was in an earlier chapter, the work of the music master is to cultivate government regulations and orders to watch out for poetry, that would be the lyrics, and artistic form, that would be the beat and the melody, to prohibit perverse music and to smoothly cultivate these tasks at the proper times as to prevent barbarian, vulgar, and deviant tunes from daring to disorder the refined pieces. I have to unpack a few of these words here. Um, barbarian means, uh, in this case, probably more aligned of, along the lines of savage. Usually barbarian means foreign. All right, And, and of course, there's, uh, there's a sort of connotation of they're not us, they're not as good as us. You know, that's, that's kind of a very typical instinctual reaction. They're different, they can't be as good as us. What does it mean to prohibit perverse music? That's an interesting question. I'm not exactly sure. It could simply mean to, to get rid of all, all perverse music within the whole country. I don't think this was actually practical back then because who knew, you know, you, you, you can barely get people to follow the speed limit today. Um, you're going to make sure everybody plays only good music. That's not realistic. I think what, what uh, he means is that at court, at official proceedings, you prohibit perverse music from being played there. That's number one, more practical. And number two, it's still efficacious because what happens is that as you play this kind of music, people look up to you and they see the other music as being crude and low, low character and bass. So it limits that kind of music from being popular. If you want to think about a method to start prohibiting or at least discouraging perverse music today, my suggestion is to use copyright law or rather to void copyright protection for music identified to be perverse so that you cannot make money off of it. That's how you can get people to stop promoting these sorts of quote-unquote musicians and quote-unquote artists who only produce perverse music and the profit incentive will be removed and you will see a lot of change very quickly without having to drag anybody into jail. So if somebody wants to play bad music in their, in, in their own home, okay, but at least they cannot make money off of it. And so what we will see is less marketing, less encouragement of this by people who have money and less profiteering off of it. And gradually it'll start to tone down. Of course, there is more that could be done. Um, you, what you could do is you could also, uh, I, I think one thing that should be discussed is to get rid of machines, speakers that can play music very loudly. You know, if somebody can play music 
loud enough to bother their neighbors, that's a big problem. And uh, perhaps that uh, perhaps we should require a license to own such equipment and to use it. Uh, because we wouldn't be okay with people setting up a nightclub in a residential area because it's noisy. So if we're going to follow that reasoning, the line of reasoning, perhaps we should regulate people's um, creation of noise. Noise itself is very interesting because we have a lot of noise. We have noisy cars, we have noisy, noisy lawnmowers. Uh, your lives are simply filled with noise. And noise is a kind of spiritual violence. It does harm you. It does deprive you of your ability to concentrate, to focus, to be, and therefore it deprives you of your ability to be more considerate and thoughtful to those in your life. Let's go back to the Shunzu again. We have in line 99, interesting line, the people have dispositions to like and dislike things, but if they are allowed no happy or angry reactions, there will be chaos. So we're, we are returning to the understanding that um, music, the absence of music can actually steer people towards chaos. So music is something that, uh, you know, can be used for good here. Now, let's return back to this idea of the Amish. They are known to be fairly peaceful people. And so, is it true that if you get rid of all music altogether, you will have, uh, you will indeed have chaos? Now, this is kind of an interesting question because the, the Amish don't um, keep you there. If you're born into the, an Amish family, you are actually supposed to go out into the world and you're supposed to experience it um, at this sort of coming of age. And then if you decide to go back, you can go back and live. So the, the community is self-selecting. So the existence of the Amish does not disprove Shinsu's point. Um, on the other hand, I want to make it clear, this does not mean people should, uh, using modern technology, play music anytime that they want, any kind of music that they want, and bother their neighbors through it. That's actually a very, uh, that's a very rude and uh, wrong thing to do to your neighbors. You should, you owe your neighbors anything quiet. You don't actually owe them a nicely perfect manicured lawn. You don't owe them that, you don't owe them uh, friendship, but what you do owe to them is quiet, that they can, when they're inside their own home, they can have peace. If you are disturbing your neighbors routinely and constantly, you're a bad person. All right, in line 107, we have a mention of the dissolute customs of the tunes of Zhang and Wei make people's heart licentious. You might remember that from the Analects, um, and there's a, I give a whole discussion on that uh, part there. So to summarize that idea, however, um, I will say that the tunes make the hearts, the people's hearts licentious. 
they are using the same lyrics, but the melody, the beat, that is licentious. And again, it's not only the musical uh, lyrics that can be perverse, it can also be the melody itself, the beat itself. We have a description on the next paragraph, line 113. Whenever wanton sounds arouse a person, a perverse chi responds to them from within. When this perverse chi, again chi is energy, then uh, takes form, then chaos results from it. But when proper sounds arouse in a person, a compliant chi responds from within. So he's recognizing that there are these, this kind of energy, emotional energy that corresponds depending on what is heard. If I make a very loud noise, then that startles you and it can even cause an angry reaction because it is violent. The noise itself can be violent. So noise clearly, uh, the uh, excuse me, what you hear can clearly immediately cause reactions. It's not because somebody is, is weak-minded or something that what they hear affects them emotionally. And that's, a, that's why Shunzo also says in other chapters, if you are insulted, there, there is, that is bad. It is bad that you are insulted. You, know, you should not dwell on it, but it's also understandable that people hate being insulted, that their reaction is angry. Shunzo says in line 137 um, that you should take the Tao, the way, to regulate your desire. And if you do so, you will be happy and not disordered. Um, and so he says music is the means to guide one's joy. Music is a height of ordering people because it provides harmony. And the next paragraph says music, moreover, is unchanging harmony. And Li is unalterable order. In other words, it's order that exists whether or not we choose to follow it. Music unites that which is the same and, and Li distinguishes that which is different. Together, the combination of Li and music governs the human heart. So music is harmony and we'll see that um, we see that because everybody as an individual can produce music and then as an orchestra or as a band they can also produce harmonious music and so it's symbolic of that but it also if you simply listen to the uh, to good music it can end up ordering your heart ordering your intentions and moves you towards goodness towards virtue uh, Li is unalterable order. It distinguishes that which is different. In other words, there is ultimately an order to human beings. Human beings have free will. We can disagree with it and go against it, but we end up paying the costs as individuals and as a harmony. So for example, uh, a husband and wife can pretend that their relationship simply works different from most marriages and they would in the long term be wrong 
um, a husband, excuse me, a father can pretend he is his son's friend, but ultimately by dis, by trying to go against the natural order of things, um, the relationship ends up being damaged when he, uh, say the mother attempts to be a, a same age friend as the son or daughter. So you can pretend that this sort of order, and by order, again, we're thinking about relationships among different individual human beings as father-son, as husband and wife, as friends, as lord and subject. And when you pretend that those relationships can be removed, can simply not exist, then people will try to fill that gap with something else. And that's, that's why you cannot, when you do have something that is not called a king, you still have people treating certain people as kings. And when a person has no father, he is going to naturally seek some kind of role model, some sort of masculine role model to follow and to attempt to please in order to obtain affection. And when uh, men and women attempt to not have spouses, they find them in other ways. Having a boyfriend and girlfriend is, in a sense, a substitute husband or wife. It's simply not something that a person is willing to say, oh, I am really devoted to this person, even though they might be sharing their finances and their body with the other person. Music unites that which is the same and ritual distinguishes that which is different. So music uniting that which is the same, if you're in the same villagers, you're, you're both villagers. That would be an example of the same. Ritual distinguishes what that which is different. Within the village, there's elder and there's junior, older and younger, and ritual distinguishes between those two. Um, husband and wife, they're both spouses or Father and son, they're both family members. They're both part of the same last name, clan. And then ritual distinguishes the father from the son and the husband from the wife. The village drinking ceremony is worth discussing because it's so interesting. If you are a sociologist or anthropologist, you would find this part very interesting because not only do we have a description of what happens in the village drinking ceremony, Shinja is explaining the meaning of different parts of it. So let's, I, I won't uh, talk about every little detail here. I do want to point out what he th believes is accomplished. Uh, the E for the noble and the lowly is properly differentiated. E for exalted and lesser is distinguished. And in this case, E is, um, e is focusing on the proper relations, relationship part of righteousness. Because, you know, in, in an individualistic culture, like what we have in the modern world, 
everybody thinks about justice as abstract and righteousness as something that proceeds from the individual to another individual. In Confucian thought, E is tied to the particular relation. So what is right for a father to do? What is right for a husband to do? Uh, what is right for a son to do to the for the father? What is a, what is right for the uh, subject to do for the Lord? And what is right for the Lord to do for the subject? Okay, so you know that should help you understand how E is being used here. So E for the noble and lowly is properly differentiated. Next paragraph E for the exalted and the lesser is distinguished. Then um, we have. Um, in the next paragraph, this interesting part, the singers and musicians take turns performing separately three times because as individual performers, they are excellent. And then, Shenzhou says, perform together three times. As a group, they are also excellent. And more wonderfully so. And that's a wonderful illustration, visual visually and audially, of this idea, this very Confucian idea of all of us individually are virtuous, although different. And when we relate to each other, when we work together, the whole community together is virtuous. The whole family, the whole village, the whole state is virtuous. So we have these different... Um, you know, toasts that are done, uh, different people being welcomed in different order, and that reflects rank, uh, that reflects virtue, that refle reflects uh, age. And so he says, from this I know it is possible to gather in harmony and joy without becoming dissolute. If we look at a college party, typical college party, that's gathering in joy and becoming very dissolute, right? And then he says later on, from this I know it is possible to treat appropriately those junior and senior without leaving anyone out. Our society is full of leaving people out. We stuff all the old people to an old folks home where they slowly die. And then the juniors are all corralled into this prison looking campus called a school. And uh, I guess these days even worse things happen. But it's, 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 you're leaving people out. You're separating people. It's ridiculous. People, people of different ages do not get along with each other. They do not spend time with each other. That's just different from how it ought to be. There should always be plenty of old people and plenty of young people. And they get along to get each other. They're not annoying each other. They're getting along. And, and that's why we have Lee such as a village drinking ceremony where everybody has a place and you're, we're all taking care of each other in ways that are appropriate for um, whether we're older or younger or whether we have high rank or lower rank or whether we have somebody to teach or not. That's how it's supposed to happen. Look at your neighborhood. You guys even talk to each other? So the last part is from this I know it is possible to enjoy comfort and relaxation without becoming disorderly. A lot of people try to enjoy comfort and relaxation. What they do, open up a few beers, watch 
Netflix or whatever streaming service there is and sprawl on the couch, that's very disorderly. Uh, you, you know, you're enjoying comfort and relaxation, but this is also kind of a really pitiable scene. Okay, we're finally at the end here. The five con kinds of conduct, differentiating noble and lowly, distinguishing exalted and lesser, gathering harmony and joy without becoming dissolute, treating appropriately junior and senior without leaving anyone out, and enjoying comfort and relaxation without becoming disorderly. This is by itself sufficient to rectify your own self and settle the country. And when the state is settled, then all under heaven will become settled. Hence, and that's similar to the great learning, you know. Uh, and hence, the state, when the state is settled, then all under heaven will become settled. Uh, excuse me. Hence, when I say, I, when I observe the village drinking ceremony, I know how easy and carefree the way of a true king is. The way of a true king is not oppressive. It is not something that makes you bored out of your mind and makes you say, I wish we could wear colorful clothes. This is not a dystopia. It's easy and carefree because you still have people going out there, enjoying the outdoors with each other, talking to each other, but it's all done pleasantly. It's all done harmoniously. People are getting along and they're relaxing. They don't have to work too hard. Look at today, it's the complete opposite. And that's why the next paragraph the very last paragraph, Shunza says, the signs of a disordered age are this. And he starts to describe the opposite. But you just, just simply think about your own life experience. It's not like this village that's described here. People are constantly working. You probably live in some sort of bedroom community. Or if you don't, you live right in the city where it's super noisy. And it's chaotic. People do not get along with each other. You don't know the names of the people living next door. And you're constantly busy, you're constantly working, you're constantly anxious. You call yourself stressed, but that's a very ambiguous term. You're apprehensive, anxious, fearful, and you are depressed. That's your life today. It's the opposite of the way of a true king. So I really like this line. I know how easy, when I observe the drinking, village drinking ceremony, I know how easy and carefree the way of a true king is. Shiz is not advocating to get rid of alcohol, as some people have done in the past. It's always a, a very petty way to understand. Just get rid of the alcohol. Just get rid of the drugs. As if that kind of abuse, that kind of intoxication abuse is not a symptom of larger problems in society. As if uh, we have to wait for physical violence to be able to recognize that there is chaos and dysfunction in how the rest of society works. So let's look at this last paragraph. The signs of a disordered age are these. Men's clothing is elaborately woven. As interesting, if you've ever watched, say for example, K-pop, you know, uh, pop music from South Korea, you'll see some very elaborately woven clothing on men. Uh, you'll see that still in other countries. So for example, I, sometimes I see these people and they're, they're like 40 years old, 50 years old, and they're wearing these uh, very silkish, brightly colored sports jerseys. 
And that, if you don't think that's elaborately woven, what are you paying, you know, 80 bucks for? Okay, this is elaborately woven clothing. You don't want to admit it because you think that by watching some big guys dribble a ball around, that's somehow manly. Or you're seeing these guys crash into each other uh, when you're sitting on the couch. Um, that somehow this makes you a man. I think you should reconsider that. Their appearances are womanish. Okay, that also goes back to the uh, you know South Korean you know stuff. Is they're all, they're even wearing makeup at this point. But you know some of these people they're dyeing their hair. Some of these men are dyeing their hair, uh, putting ear piercings and and that kind of thing. It's uh, and it's not only that. Uh, I, I don't think it's only that. Shows is talking about woman womanish ap uh, appearances. Uh, and part of that is is to have a baby face to completely shave off. You know. Uh, your beard and everything. Uh, it the the essential problem, the fundamental problem, is that men and women are no longer being differentiated. We're pretending that these, uh, you know, biological differences either don't exist or in former ages. Um, the the issue is that society is so chaotic we can no longer make use of biological differences. Our biological differences between male and female are extremely useful. But we cannot pretend that a man is capable of what a woman generally does well and a woman is capable um, of what a man generally does well for the most part. So when we see that uh, society is giving up and differentiating between males and females, what we really have is a, is a society that is so chaotic we can no longer take advantage of what women can do well and what men can do well. Uh, their intentions, okay, their customs are licentious. I mean, that itself could be an hour-long conversation, but, uh, you know, moving in together before you get married, that's a licentious custom. Uh, One-night stands, of course, is a licentious custom. Um, the way that women and men dress, men go out there without a shirt on, feel fine, women, uh, you know, they show uh, all of all of their legs and then uh, their butt is um, merely quote-unquote covered with spandex shorts, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so you see exactly how they look like underneath and, you know, uh, this layer of spandex is, barely, is almost indistinguishable from body paint, from going out in body paint. So uh, that's going to, yeah, that's going to make a lot of people mad <laughs> when I say that. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, um, not shame on me, okay? Uh, so their customs are licentious. It completely describes what's happening today. Their intentions are set in profit from billionaires who have way more money than they know how to spend. I mean, they're going into space at this point. They, why don't they just stop and, and say, okay, I want to cultivate my wisdom. It's still relatively young. I should study wisdom. I should learn the history of the world. Instead of doing that, they're doing wacky things that make more money. I, I don't, nobody should understand that. But of course, when we get down to the common people, they're always hustling. They're always, you know, now people have two to three jobs plus a side hustle. Um, and they're, they're finding all these ways to make money is because society is chaotic, not because they like to work. Now, they might try to trick themselves into thinking they quote-unquote like to work, that they quote-unquote enjoy it. It's just a, just a self-delusion so that it doesn't seem harder. Uh, okay, their sounds and music are dangerous. Uh, well, that was pretty much uh, we discussed after all this chapter. Uh, 
The emblems and insignia are deviant and ostentatious. Emblems and insignias are, I guess the modern version of that would be status symbols. Um, they're ostentatious. You can think of like those several countries that are run by dictators where you've got these guys and there's like a chest full of medals. You're like, what are these, all these medals are for, you know, like it would take an hour to explain each of these things and how they're different. Um, and that's ostentatious, you know, deviant, it, it falls, it, it uh, deviates from the Tao. I think that's what he means there. The way they nurture the living lacks all proper measure. Okay. Um, as long as I'm making everybody mad at this point, I might as well talk about transgenderism. Uh, you know, this is not a good way to nurture people who don't feel comfortable with their body parts. Okay. Giving them hormonal therapy and cutting off different parts of their body such that they are now infertile or practically infertile um, and they cannot do anything um, without spending a lot of money and requiring uh, high levels of medical expertise. I don't see how this is compassionate. I don't see how this is compassionate. What's compassionate is to help them uh, rewire their, their brain functioning so that they do accept what they have. You know, some, some people, uh, they're, they're shorter than they wish to be, but it's not reasonable to encourage them to um, go through a surgery where they, you know, the doctor will break their legs, stick in metal, you know, uh, poles inside, and then, and then, you know, have this very painful healing process. And you'll never feel completely fine again, um, just to be three, five inches taller. This is not healthy. This is not compassionate. Uh, you're, to use a modern phrase, virtue signaling. You don't actually care about these people. And so that's a good example of the way they nurture the living lacks all proper measure. They're going too far in certain ways and they're not going far enough. We, where we're not going far enough is helping people have families. Now we're getting caught up on these abortion debates and that kind of thing, but um, you know, this abortion is just kind of one small part of this larger problem of why is it that people are so afraid to have children with the people that they are supposed to love because they're sleeping together. This is insanity. You know, like uh, if you're 25, you should be, oh, oh, great, you know, pregnant. But people aren't doing that these days, that there's something really messed up about this society. And you really need to think about where this all comes from. It didn't come from a certain decade where it all magically went wrong. Okay. You don't want to think that way. Um, the way they send the dead off is stingy and like Mo, Mohism. Um, I think arguably the way that we send our, our dead is pretty stingy too, actually. Because our, we, we have this like one day ceremony where we bury the person um, and then we don't really... Um, we haphazardly uh, pop into the graveyard and you know say hi, and that's uh, that's not way it's not a Confucianism has much you know the the, the root tradition has much more elaborate um, ceremonies with sending off the dead and it's, it's lengthier and so forth, and I think it's simply psychologically and spiritually healthier to engage in that uh, degree of ceremony. And, and write uh, R-I-T-E. So they denigrate Li and Ni. We don't have a sense of Li anymore today, right? So we're beyond denigration. We have simply forgotten about it. They denigrate Yi. 
Yes, because people are always saying, who are you to judge? You can't judge other people. That's denigrating morality. That's denigrating righteousness. That's denigrating me. While valuing boldness and strength, absolutely. Just believe in yourself. Do what you want. Speak your truth. What does that even mean, speak your truth? It's the truth, not your truth. If it's your truth, you're and only your truth, and it's not the truth. And, and in other words, they're trying to say that what is objective, the truth, can be subjective. But that's, um, you know, your truth is an oxymoronic statement. It self-contradicts. Truth, by definition, is everybody's truth. And you can either choose to acknowledge it or not, accept it or not. But truth is simply truth. Um, one impoverished, they rob others. So that's a very standard thing that happens in chaotic societies. Crime goes up. When wealthy, they become utter villains. Yeah. I mean, people who are wealthy today and powerful today, utterly villainous. And um, you can always tell that you're, somebody's trying to manipulate you when they pretend somebody in power is a good person. Uh, these days, give up on that notion. You know, There's, there's not going to be an exception. If they can win it, uh, they're not a... Not even a nice person, much less, uh, or not not to speak of even a, a virtuous person. You know? So the last, very last line is that he ends with is by itself, and it says, "An ordered age is the opposite of all of this." In other words, if you have these signs in your own society, you are not living in an ordered age; you are living in a chaotic, disordered age. And so, now that you know that you are living in a dystopia, you need to be able to know how to take care of yourself well, how to take care of your family well, not only financially, everybody knows to do that, but protect them spiritually and morally, and help them develop their virtue. And that's why you're here. You, you know, you know you have that these things are good, and you have to develop these things. Uh, and Shinza is writing this to help people. So the next chapter is going to be about undoing fixation. He's going, Shinza is going to talk about uh, people who have some misunderstanding of things. And uh, um, this will also help us avoid help, uh, the wrong understandings that society tries to cram down our throats that surrounds us and it's almost sometimes very subtle and therefore invisible. So sometimes they're very blatant about it and sometimes they're very subtle about it. And so this chapter will be very important for you if you want to protect yourself and your family from the perverse influences of evil.